0: Colossians chapter number three. We're gonna we're gonna just begin where we ended last week. Uh, if you're here tonight for the first time, uh, we are going through the book of Colossians on Wednesday night. We study verse by verse, and uh, and we stopped at verse four. But I tell you what. Why don't we go to verse one? Why don't we go to verse one just to give? A, what's the first word? What's the first word? Uh, or actually, the second word in verse five. Second word in verse five. Say it loud. All right, everybody, including Fairview, say it real loud. Therefore. therefore. So if we we want to know what is there for, we got to go back and read, right? Right. And so that'll help us. We'll we'll talk just a smidgen about what we discussed last week to find out what it's there for. All right. Because of what we learned last week, we need to apply what we're going to learn this week. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right. Now, let's go back to verse one. If ye then be risen with Christ, now say this with me, say this with me, everybody, including Fairview, since you are risen with Christ, say that, since you are risen with Christ. that's what that means. That's what that means. Since you've been saved, since you are, are born again, you have risen with Christ where Christ sitteth, or excuse me, let me go back. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Verse 5. Mortify therefore. In other words, because of what we just read, you need to do what we're fixing to read. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. So last week we were talking about being heavenly minded, right? Seeking those things which are above. Now he's going to talk about earthly things, living here on earth. It says, Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on children of disobedience. In the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off these, all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing then that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. deeds, With his deeds. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you Lord for your blessings. Thank you for the privilege of being in your house. Thank you for the good crowd that's here tonight. We're here to study your word. We're here to learn your word. You have been so good to us. And Lord, you have been such a blessing to give us the, the, the scriptures to help us grow and to learn and to develop. Lord, these scriptures are challenging. These scriptures are convicting. They're, uh, Lord, they are encouraging. They're edifying. They, they lift us up. And Lord, sometimes they tear us down. Lord, they bring us off of our prideful high horse and put us where we need to be. And I pray that all that happens tonight. I pray that you'll help us, encourage us. Lord, you know the world we live in. You know the shape it's in. And Lord, I pray that you'll give us what we stand in need of. You know the need of every person here. You know every single person that's in this room. You, you, You knew them when they walked in the door and I pray, dear God, that you'll help them and encourage them. Help me. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And, Lord, I pray that you don't let me forget anything I should. And I'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Mortify, mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now. But now. That was before. But now. Ye also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. Filthy communications out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. Seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Okay. Now, here's here's what I want you to see. Last week... We said that we need to be more heavenly-minded. Say that with me. We need to be more minded. We need to be more heavenly minded. We need to think about heaven. We need to think about things which are above, specifically Christ, which is above, who sitteth at the right hand of the Father. We learned last week that positionally, positionally, we are already in heaven, seated with Christ. Positionally, we have been forgiven. Positionally, we are just as if we were sin free, justified, saved. We are as if we were already in heaven. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, because of that, because of that, therefore, because of knowing that truth, because of knowing that reality, then that should affect what happens here on this earth. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now I want you to look at your notes. I want you to look at your notes, look at your outline there. And, and I want to I kind of kind of give you uh, uh, just a, a couple, just a little things to think about while we're going through this. In 1 Thessalonians 4 1, it says, Furthermore, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as ye have received us, how ye ought to walk and to please God. Y'all see that? I underlined it. I underlined it on purpose. There is a way that every believer should walk. Would you agree with that? Now, if there is a way we should walk, then obviously that means there's a way we shouldn't walk. Would that make sense? Okay. And there's a certain way to walk that pleases God. And he says, verse two, for, ye know, what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your, what's that word? Now let's read that that underlined uh, uh, sentence again. This is the, come on now. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Now, I want you to look at those three, I want you to look at those three bold letters or bold words there. First is the word what? Justification. Justification. Everybody say that loud justification. Then we have sanctification. sanctification. And then we have Glorification. glorification. Now, here's what I want you to understand. First, we find justification. Justification took place the moment you got saved. The moment you got saved. The moment you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he justified you. That word means justified, had never sinned. I stand before God justified. I stand before God as if I've never sinned. I stand before God just as his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, stands before him. When God sees me, he sees me perfect. When God sees me, he sees me sinless. When God sees me, I am justified to be able to stand in his presence and make it to glory. Say amen. amen. Not because of my righteousness, Not because of my goodness, all because of the righteousness that his son, Jesus gave to me. Say, amen. Amen. I'm justified now one day, one day I'm going to be glorified one day. There's going to be glorification. Now, what is glorification? That means I'm going to have a brand new body. That means I'm, there's not going to be no glasses. There's not going to be no blood pressure medicine. There's not going to be no, no, no splints. There's not going to be uh, 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 arthritis pain medicine. There's not going to be no Gay. Say amen. amen. And not only that, there's not going to be any temptation to sin. I'm going to be perfect. There's not even going to be sin will have absolutely no influence, no effect on me. I'm going to have a glorified body. The Bible says that when we see him, we shall be like him. Say amen. Amen. But we ain't there yet. We're not there yet. We're not there till the resurrection. Now, in between, in between our... In between our justification. and our sanctification, there needs to be some sanctification. Are y'all with me? Amen. Now, at salvation, there is justification. There is a way provided for me to get to heaven and have a brand new body, a brand new future, a brand new home, all of the above. And one day, one day, I'm going to have that. There is going to be a glorification. Listen, the the trump's going to sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first. He said, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment of twinkling of an eye. At the last trump. Somebody say amen. Amen. The dead shall rise incorruptible. And that which is, oh yes, amen. Amen. But until then. Listen, our mind and our thought process is in heaven. But our body is on this earth. And because of what we are thinking, because of what we are pursuing, because of what we are striving for to be Christ-like, we, we want his meekness, we want his love, we want everything about him, we've got, that affects how we live on this earth. And that's called sanctification. Now, I, I, put, the, I put the definitions there. I put the definitions there. Uh, 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 Dad, can you get me a couple of tissues out of that? It's right on the other side of that little wall there. <clears throat> Watch this. Look at your definitions in your notes. Look at your notes. Justification. Justification. In theology, it means remission of sin and absolution from guilt and punishment. Or an act of free grace by which God pardons. Thank you, sir. By which God, uh, let me get back. God pardons the sinner and accepts him as righteous on account of the atonement of Christ. If that makes sense, say Amen. In other words, when you got saved, he looks at you as perfect. You are just like his son. Now, sanctification, the act of making, come on, the act of making in an evangelical sense, the act of God's grace by which the affections of men are purified or alienated from sin in the world and exalted to a supreme love to God. Now, let me very much simplify that. It means separating from the world, separating from sin, separating from iniquity and ungodliness and, and committing to him, separating to him. In other words, in old fashioned terms, it means getting cleaned up. That's what it means. I mean, that's the easiest way to say it. When you, when you get saved, you are forgiven of every sin Every sin, you've been forgiven. Now, God begins a process of cleaning you up. Are y'all with me? It's not, you're not everything. It's like this. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Amen? It's, it's the old saying says, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what, I, I may not be. Let's see, how's it go? I may not be what I ought to be, but I'm not what I used to be. And I'm not what I'm going to be. Are y'all with me? Now, we don't get everything right in the very beginning. We don't get everything perfect in the very beginning. When we first get saved, we're forgiven. But there's a lot of work to do. That's what sanctification is. And and what we're fixing to read is kind of that process. There is a a portion in the Christian life that only God can do. Are y'all with me? Only God can do, but there is parts of the Christian life and the Christian walk that he commands us to do. Are y'all with me? Does that make sense? And by the way, he's not going to do for you what he's commanded you to do now. So because positionally we are justified positionally, we as we are as if we are already in heaven. Therefore, there's some things we need to do on this earth. There's some things we need to do on this earth. And that's, that's basically what these next few verses are all about. Our responsibility as a child of God, our responsibility as a born-again Christian, what is our relationship? And basically this, we can put it this way. What is our relationship when it comes to sin? What is our relationship when it comes to sin? And and, and how do we deal with it? All of that, we're going to look in these next three points and talk about that tonight. All right. How many are y'all ready to learn? Say amen. amen. All right. Number one. Number one. I want you to see this. Write, write this down. If you're taking notes. Write this down. I want you to see the task. The task with sin. What's the responsibility we have? What job do we have? What do we need to do with this? <clears throat> the task with sin. Our positional reality Seated in the heavenlies. Justified. Perfect before God. That's That's our positional reality. We're born again. We're saved spiritually. We're as if we're already there. But practically, we're still here. Does that make sense? Now watch. Our positional reality must work out in our practical living. In other words... Because everybody look at me real quick. Everybody look at me because I need you to get this because if you miss this, we're going to miss the whole thing. Because of who you are, it will determine what you do. All right. Because of who you are, it should it should really affect and determine how you live. Are you all with me? For instance, if, if what's a fish going to do? Swim. What's a bird going to do? Right? It's, it's kind of that. In other words, if you are a true child of God, it should affect some things. It should change something. You shouldn't be the same as what you were. Amen. Does that make sense? Now, watch this. Let's go into detail. He says, what's the first word in verse five? What's that first word? Mortify. Mortify. You know what that means? It means put to death. It means Kill. Write this down, write this down. There's two things. Two, I'll just go ahead and give you two points and then we'll talk about it, all right? I was gonna make just one point and put them both together in the same, but I really wanted to put it two because I wanted to share another verse with you. First A is seek. If we're gonna kill and the first word seek, what do you think the second word is? Seek and? Huh? No. Destroy. Boy, I don't, I don't have nobody in here that watches war movies, man. Come on, people. Amen. We're on a mission here. Put to death. Execute. Seek and destroy. destroy. All right? Now, here's what, here's what we're saved, right? Positionally. Positionally, we are God sees us as if we, we are sinless when it comes to our position and our place. In glory, our name in the land book of life. But practically, we still live in the old body. And we still fight the old nature. How many of y'all are tempted to sin? Anybody in here tempted to sin? How many of y'all are lying? We're all tempted to sin. You know why? Because God didn't save this flesh. We still have to deal with it. We still have to live in it. We still have to fight it every day, right? Now, now. So with that being said, with that being said that we got a job to do, we got to mortify, we got to put to death, we got to seek and destroy some areas of sin in our lives. All right. Now the first word seek, look at the, look at the, look at the, uh, the verses underneath that. Look what, look what David said. Psalm 139, 23. What's that word? Search. Search me. Oh, uh, oh. And know my heart. my heart. Now, why do you reckon he said heart? Because that's where it all starts. Watch it. And we're going to learn that in just a minute. Try me. That means test. Know my How many of y'all want to pray that prayer this week? Oh, door, don't look at mine. I'm afraid he already knows them. And see, verse 24. And see if there be. Let's say it again. And see. Boy, that's that's legit. You want to get real? Pray that prayer. I'm afraid not a lot of us going to pray that prayer because we don't really want to know what he's going to find. But you know what? If we're going to grow. If we're going to mature as a child of God, if we're going to be what God wants us to be, if we're going to have the fullness of joy and have the, the everything that God has for us, we need to seek it out.. Yeah, amen. Yeah. If we want to be healthy, now here's the thing. everybody likes to talk about God's love. But, but you understand, if a doctor loves health, he's got to hate disease? You can't love without hate. You can't, you can't, they they both go hand in hand. The reason a doctor loves health is because he hates disease. And he will do something painful like surgery. Because even though he knows it hurts, he wants to get it out of you because he loves health and he wants you to be healthy. Even though he knows it's going to hurt you. And what we're saying to God, look, look me over. Lord, search me. And I promise you, he will. He will search and be destroyed. Watch this. Watch this. He says, "Mortify, put to death, kill." Look what it says in Romans eight thirteen. <clears throat> if ye live after the flesh, ye shall. But if ye through the Spirit, in other words, you can't do this on your own. You've got to have the power of the Spirit to do this. Amen. If ye through the Spirit do, what's that word? Mortify. Mortify what do we say that meant? Kill. Put to death or kill the, the deeds of the body. Ye shall, watch this, Galatians 5.24. Galatians 5.24. And they that are Christ have what? Crucified, Crucified the flesh with the Affections and lust, desires, longings. If you belong to Christ, you need to crucify that flesh. Listen, kill the deeds of the body. We need to. It means being disciplined, dealing with with our lifestyle, our behavior, our actions. Lord, is there anything in me that you're not pleased with? Is there anything in me? See, if there be any wicked way in me, then repent and forsake it. We've got to kill it. We've got to kill it. There's nothing good in your flesh. Paul said that I, there is no good in our flesh at all whatsoever. And you mean, what, preacher, what do you mean? You mean your skin and your muscle and your fat and all? No, that's neutral. Neutral. When, you, when, when you're saved, when you're saved, you got, the easiest way I can, I can explain it is you got a flesh. You got a dog named flesh. And you got a dog named spirit. And they're inside of you and the dog named flesh wants you to sin. He wants you to do the things of the flesh. You don't know what them are? New Testament clearly says what they are. And it's bad. Every one of them. Listen. The dog named Spirit wants you to do right, wants you to do the good things. And they're inside of you, and they fight all the time. They don't like each other. They're like Percy and Vi at the house. They they just don't like each other at all. And if you let one out the fence, they're going to run to the other pen, and it's going to be on like chicken bones. Say amen. And there's going to be blood flying Listen, it it, it is, I'm telling you now, if you've been saved for five minutes, you know, I'm telling you the truth in your spirit. Paul said in my spirit, I want to do right so bad, but there's something else in there that's causing problems. Are y'all with me? We need to put that to death. We need to kill those things. We need to deal with this. All right. Now, now. So we know we need to kill sin in our life. We need to destroy it. We need to put it to death. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay. Make you pay more than you want to pay. We need to deal with it. Some people say, well, I'm, I'm forgiven preachers. Sin's different in a Christian than it is in a lost person. You're right. It's worse. It's worse. It's worse because see when a person is saved or excuse me, when a person is unsaved, they have no control and basically they can't help it. But when a person is saved, God cuts the control. He's still there to aggravate you, but you have a choice now. The lost person can't help it. The saved person can so sin in a saved person is worse than sin in a lost person. You don't have to like it, but you have to know it's the truth. So we see the task with sin. Number two, I want you to see the truth about sin. The truth about sin. This is, this is something here. Now, obviously, he he, he, he gives us two different Two different categories of sins. He didn't didn't list every one of them here. There wouldn't be enough room in this page. But he lists two different categories. And and here's what I want you to write down. First, A, I want you, we're talking about, what are we saying now? What are we talking about? The what is sin? The truth about sin. First, I want you to see its pattern. Its pattern. First, we see personal sins. Personal sins. Most of this is what you can't see. Most of what you can't see, it's inside. And it relates to feelings. Say that with me. It relates to feelings. feelings. He says this. Here's some things you need to kill, put to death. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. All right? That is the personal sins. That deals with feelings on the inside. Now look at the second group. The second group we find in verse number eight. These are social sins. These are social sins. You can even put this if you want to keep it alliterated. You can put sensual sins or sexual sins, sensual sins or social sins. But one has to do primarily with yourself. The other is how you treat other people. And it brings in others into this this mess says, put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth and lie not. What's that next three? One, two. So, so this is this is a pattern of sin. And by the way, don't ever think that sin only affects you. I've heard people say that. Well, my sin only affects me. That's never the case. Never. All right. Now we see its pattern. One relates to feelings. The second relates to speech, what comes out of your mouth. Now, keep in mind this. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. speaketh." You remember what we said earlier in that verse earlier about our heart? You know, uh, search my heart. Search my heart because out of it, out of it comes all these things. Even Jesus said it. He said, it's not what you put in your mouth. They were saying, well, you're going to be, you know, you're you're going to be defiled by eating a certain food or drinking a certain drink. He said, no, no, no. It's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth. Does that make sense? Amen. The truth about sin, it's pattern. But then this is, this is, this is really the meat of the message in this. It's progression. You need to understand it's progression. How sin works. It's progression. Have y'all ever heard anybody that did something really stupid? And 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 this was their response or their defense of the matter? It just happened. Well, I got news for you. Baloney. Nothing just happens. There is a progression. There is a progression, and, and he, man, he, he just lays it out so specifically and so detailed. Now, he gives the progression of sin in these two categories different, all right? In the first one, in the in the sensual sins or the, the personal sin, he deals with the act, and he goes backwards to the motive, all right? In other words, he started with where it ended, the physical act, and he ended up where it started, well, in the second one he does it different. He starts with the motive and he goes and ends in the act itself. And so let's talk about them a little bit. Let's talk about them a little bit because there's a lot that we can learn from this. Why? Why do we need? Why do we need to know where something starts? Why, why do we need to know where something? Why didn't he just say, "Hey, don't do this, 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 and this"? Why did? Why did he? Why did he give you the the, the act itself? But then traced it back to where it began. The only, listen, the only person you need to talk to about this to know why is Barney Fife. How many of y'all know who Barney Fife is? Somebody tell me what I'm thinking right now. Come on, everybody. Nip it, nip it, nip it. Nip it in the. Amen. Let's kill it before it starts. Let's kill it before it starts. Can you imagine how much grief and anguish that we could save if we stop it before it begins? You know what they say about most cancers? That most of them are curable, but they didn't catch it in And most of the failures we have in our life, most of the, the disappointing, painful, stupid things we've done in our life, if we'd have just caught it and nipped it in the... Let's see how we do this. The progression of sin. And by the way, sin is like a cancer. It starts very small. Jesus said it this way. It's not in your notes, but I'm just rolling with what's coming to my head right now. He, 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 you know, sin is compared to leaven. Leaven. You know, he said a little leaven leaveneth the whole, the whole lump, right? Just a little bit. And it, before long, it's all contaminated. It's all contaminated. He said that's what sin is. You know, we allow the camel's nose in the tent. Why don't you ever allow the camel's nose in the tent? Before long, he'll have his whole body in the tent. We cannot give the devil any room to work in our life. The scriptural term is a foothold. We don't even, we don't need to let him get a foothold because if we allow the devil just a little room to work in our life and get his foot, then it will go from a foothold to a stronghold. A stronghold is something that's hard to defeat. It's hard to conquer. You you may you may you may can throw one cigarette down. If you only smoke one, that might not be a big deal. But after you've done it for twenty years, now it's a stronghold. Does this make sense? You know what would have kept it from being a stronghold? Didn't take the first one. This is not complicated. We can call whatever we want to call. We can call it disease and everything else, but it's the only disease you can buy and purchase. Let's nip it in the bud. Now, let's start with the first one. Let's start where he started. First, he said, let's mortify some things. Let's kill some things. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. And and now, keep in mind, he's not saying you're physical. Don't cut your fingers off and all that. That's... that's, uh, terminology meaning the stuff it does when you see that when jesus when you you remember when jesus said if thy eye offend thee what now we know he's not talking about literally plucking it out it means get anything out of your eyesight that's going to cause you to stumble does that make sense even if it's radical he's trying to get you to understand that sin is a big big deal that's why he's using that terminology all right now so he's meaning put to death the deeds that we read the deeds of the flesh. So here's here's where we start, fornication, fornication. What is fornication? It's the physical act of immorality. It's it, it's sexual sin. It's the word. It's the Greek word pornea. Pornea, We, we get our word uh, pornography from it. Now listen, you got to understand when when the word fornication is used, it you, it means any. Any sexual sin. Now, what is a sexual sin? Let me tell you the only right one. And then you can put everything else in the other category. Sex with a man and his wife. One man, one woman who are married, they can have sex. Everybody else can. Period. 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 If you're not married to him, you can't touch him. According to scripture, if you don't like that, take that up with God. Everything else besides one man and one woman in a marriage relationship, every other sexual act is deviant and outside of God's permissive will. And it's classified as fornication. Now, as I, I don't know why. I don't know why this should curl hair in a, a New Testament church. This shouldn't even bother anybody. But we're living in a culture where the church has gotten so worldly that this bothers people. But it's no different than what it bothered here in Colossae. Because in that day, it was so prevalent. Homosexuality was, present, it was very pre- prevalent. prevalent. Uh, uh, sex outside of marriage. Uh, They included uh, orgies and sexual activity in the pagan temples. They included it in their worship. And this is who Paul is dealing with. So it's something that is almost shocking to the, 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 the church and the people here at Colossae. Because they're coming kind of out of that background. Out of that atmosphere. And when he's saying, hey, absolute abstinence. They're like, whoa. But he said, this is. It should not be named among God's children. Period. That's the physical act. All right. Now, this is where it ends. This is where it ends. Okay. Now, look at the second thing. Now, remember, how many of y'all ever watched them them movies like uh, uh, Outbreak or or one of those uh, movies where it, there was a, a plague or something, and they traced it back. They had to keep tracing it back to find the source to catch the monkey to get the the, the vaccine, all right? Vir- yeah, virus movie. And, and they go backwards. They find out, okay, this person died. Who was he contacted with? Where did he go? What ship did he get off of? What monkey bit him on? Are y'all with me? What do they do? They keep working backwards and backwards and backwards and backwards till they get to the the source. All right. Death is the end result. Death is the end result. Fornication, the act of adultery, the act of fornication, the physical uh, sinful act, sexual act. That's the end result. Now let's go backwards. What happened right before that? So this is the next step. Okay, you have fornication and you have what's the next word? Uncleanness. This is impure thinking about the act. Impure thinking about the act. A man and woman don't jump into bed without thinking about it first. There's a whole lot of thinking about it that goes on before the act actually takes place. Okay? Impure thinking about the act. Next step. Let's go backwards. We're going backwards. The act takes place. What happened right before that? Whole lot of thinking about that act. It's wrong. It's wrong. Then we see inordinate affection. Now here's the thing: this is inflamed passions, inflamed passions or feelings. And everybody knows what this is. This is a room full of adults. I don't have to. I don't have to sugarcoat any of this. Everybody has. Everybody has certain desires and certain passions in them that some things stir it up. All right. You could be watching a, a movie on TV and things begin to happen. You you, you feel you feel something being stirred in there. And, and listen, if that your desire for your spouse is not what's stirring that up, it's wrong. It's sinful. So what happens? We're go, remember, we're going. Come on, everybody. We're going. So the end result is adultery. It's fornication. It's sexual sin. But before that took place, there was a whole lot of thinking about it. And it's what Jesus said. If a man looks upon a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery already in his. And that's what Jesus was talking about. That second step. But before that step took place, something there was a whoo. There was a passion inflamed and it's always in the wrong way. It's always in the wrong way. All right. Uh. Uh, There's nothing wrong with me thinking about my wife. There's nothing wrong with me getting excited to see my wife or to be with my wife because I got a license. Are y'all with me? It's legal. It's, It's God honored. It's God honored and God ordained. But if something stirs up feelings in me, if I am looking at somebody else or see something else, then no go. No go. Now, let me say this and just throw this in here. I've heard people talk about, I've heard people talk, well, we just look at pornography to help our own relationship. You're destroying your relationship. You're destroying your relationship. You're making it more difficult. Say, well, we just can't, you know, it just don't sink. Well, then you need to go get some help. You You need to go see a professional. Because, listen... The desires in the, in the feelings, the passion you have should be only be directed toward your spouse. All right. Now, now, so we have the physical act itself. Then we have a whole lot of thinking about it. We have, we're going backwards. There's an inflamed passion. There's feelings that's been stirred up. Maybe something you've seen. Maybe maybe it's it's something that you've been reading. Maybe it's something you've you've watched on TV. Maybe it's something you've seen on your computer. Whatever it might be. But before that, there is evil concupiscence, which means inward sinful desire. Now what does that mean? This is something that is so deep in who we are. Everybody, everybody, look at your neighbor and say, everybody, everybody has something in you that is prone to do wrong. Everybody. We all fight it, we all struggle with it. There is something down deep in every single person. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, that which I don't want to do, I do, and that which I do want to do, I don't. So what he's talking about. You see, there's, there's, that, there's that dog that's there that you need to starve to death, and you need to keep him in the kennel. Y'all with me? Because he never goes away. He never goes away. You can't starve him to death. But you can starve him to weakness. What do you mean starve him to death? What are you even talking about preacher? Throw that computer away. Throw them magazines away. Throw Facebook away. See what happens? You get on there and you see a past person. You know how many many affairs have taken place because of Facebook? Never even thought about the person that they knew 20 years ago, and all of a sudden they're on Facebook and they're communicating now. And what happened? That dog. And now there's an inflamed passion. Man, I don't know why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. I know why. You fed the dog. And now you're thinking about it. Now you're typing back. And soon you're going to be meeting somewhere. What are we talking about? We're talking about a progression. Nothing just happens. But let me tell you. You know why we fall to this? Because the devil's blinded us. He's already got you on the track. He's already got you. He's already got you going that direction. And you don't even see it happening. But we're not done. That's not even the beginning. We all got that dog. We all got. And and, and let me say this. Let me say this. Everybody, Everybody. All you that hadn't messed up all you that hadn't committed adultery or fallen into one of these areas of failure and sin, be careful with your little nose up in the air. Because you got a dog too. Be careful how you look down on somebody. I ain't gonna throw no rocket, no dog. I got a dog too. When I, when I, when I, Criticize somebody else. All I'm doing is giving my dog. Little, little extra incentive. I don't need my dog. To have any help. Amen. Amen. But remember I said we're not finished. Watch what it says after this. This is amazing. This is amazing. Oh we got to hurry. Look at the next one. Okay, the act, and, and by the way, by the way, most people, we don't see nothing to the physical act till we see the damage. We don't see all this stuff. We got the damage done, the physical act. It's because there's a whole lot of thinking about it. And it was because there were some things inflamed and feelings and passions. And, and, and are y'all with me? Say man? Amen. And and it's because, because down deep in us, there's a dog that we got to keep down. We got to, we got to starve to death. We can't let to have any kind of room whatsoever to have any kind of, any kind of help. But, but, but what's the next one? It says, what's that word? Covetousness, which basically means greed. Watch this now. Everybody look at me. It means wanting what you can't have. That's what that means. Yep. It's wanting what does not belong to you. That's right. Wanting what you have no right to. Amen. It's greed. It's greed. You're not happy with what you got, so you want what they have. Right? right, right. That's what it means. You mean to tell me adultery comes from greed that's what according to this progression yep. greed you're not happy with your wife you won't want somebody else's you're not happy with your husband you want somebody else's until you get them. Yeah, right. you, you, you you you're not happy with your house you won't you won't you won't, you won't, you won't. Now think about this. We're not even to the end yet. There's another another problem. So this is not even the source. It's part of the progression. Say it with me. It's part of the... But it's not the source. Okay? We have the act, the damage, the failure, the, the terrible sin, fornication, sexual... Sexual sin. There was a whole lot of thinking about it. That lust. There was a passion that was stirred. Feelings that was stirred that shouldn't have been. There was a dog that's in us. There was a dog that's in us. That, that, that deep down lust that, that we have. That, that inward desire to do wrong is there. And everybody has potential with that. But then we see greed Wanting what we have no right to. Eve could have had every fruit in the garden, but she wanted what she had no right to. The devil had, he was the most beautiful angel in heaven. He had the most splendor in heaven, had the most, he, man, he had it all. But it wasn't enough. He wanted what he had no right to. Does this make sense now? So that that helps us understand this next one. Look at the next one. What's the word? Idolatry. Idolatry. We don't even need Webster's Dictionary for that one, do we? What is idolatry? It's worshiping anything but God. It's putting anything or anybody before God. Now everybody look at me. We're going to run out of time, but it's okay. We don't even realize that this sexual sin we've just committed in all reality is idolatry. You just worshiped yourself. You just bow down to the altar of your mirror. Watch this. Watch this. You remember when, you remember when uh, Abraham Abraham took Isaac to Mount Moriah? Y'all remember that? What's he going to do? He's going to sacrifice him, right? Why is he going to sacrifice him? Because God told him to. Right? So he is being obedient to God. Now watch what he says. This is amazing. He's there at the, at, at the mount and he leaves the servants behind. You got to leave them behind because they probably try to stop him. And he said, me and the lad are going yonder to worship. To worship. Do you realize this is the first time the word worship is used in the Bible? The very first time worship is used the Bible. Anybody see a steeple? Nope. Anybody see a pulpit? Nope. Anybody see a choir? Nope. Anybody see a parking lot? Nope. Anybody see a praise team? Nope. Quartet? Nope. Soloist? Nope. Pastor? Nope. Evangelist? Nope. What do we see? Somebody obey. So where are, you, preacher, where are you getting with this? Obedience is an act. Of worship, And when you do what he said not to do, you are worshiping yourself and you're telling God, you're not in control. I am in control. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I and you might well just set up some candles in front of your mirror. You look down at people burning candles in front of a big Buddha statue when you're worshiping yourself. Because this act is nothing more than real idolatry. That's where it started. Isn't this amazing? Now let's look at, let's, let's try to get done some more. Let's look at the next one. Now see the next one he he does it different. The next one he does different. The social sin. How how we treat others. He starts. He starts. With a source and goes to the action. He does it exactly opposite. First he lists what's the word? Anger. 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 Smoldering emotion of resentment. I'm just angry. I'm offended. Really? You think too highly of yourself then. That's true. You done got yourself on that throne again. Burning candles to yourself. Anger, smoldering emotion of resentment. It's down deep. It's there. And it's you feel it. You feel it. Wrath is an outburst of what emotion of I see the anger is smoldering it's on the inside it's just there wrath is the outward outburst of it malice see we go from being angry we get loud about it and now we deal with malice what is malice an evil intent a vicious nature that is bent on doing harm to others you're not, you're not just mad at them now. You want to do something. Or you hope something happens to them. Are y'all with me? I don't want to do it, but I hope something happens. Mm-hmm. But it started with anger. It started with anger. It moved to wrath. We get loud about it. Then it moves to evil intent. We've thought about it so much we hope we we begin to have an evil intent towards somebody. Blasphemy means to slander. They blaspheme the Holy Ghost by slandering the Holy Ghost saying, hey, you're doing these miracles by the devil, by Beelzebub. The same principle is when we blaspheme another person. I I blaspheme uh, uh, Miss Diane by talking bad about her. I talk to you bad about her. I'm slandering her. It's it's just the word slander. What is slander? A false tale or report maliciously uttered and tending to injure the reputation of another by lessening him in the esteem of his fellow citizens. You ever done that? It didn't just happen. It started with you being at home thinking about it. Simmering, smoldering. Moved to getting loud about it, making comments. Then you started thinking evil intent. And then it just come out, you started talking bad about them to other people, hoping the other person would think they bring them down the way other people see them. Then it moves to filthy communication. Foul speech, coarse humor, obscene language. It goes from bad to and look what he put at the end. Now, I, if it had been me, I, I might have put filthy communication last. But according to the Apostle Paul, there's really not much worse than lying to somebody. Amen. My dad taught me even when I was a little bitty kid. He said, "Son, be careful. If somebody lies to you, they'll steal from you. If they'll lie to you, they'll steal from you." Ephesians 4.25 says, Wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Many times you see this lying thing. Deal with it. Don't do this. And I think we know why. Because John 8.44 says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye would not. Matter of fact, he was talking to hoodlum Pharisees right here. He was a murderer from the beginning and a bow not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. He's a liar and the father of it. And in Titus 1 2, it says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie. promise before the world began. Amen. Now, you reckon Paul's so serious about this lying thing? Because when you're lying, who are you reflecting? That's legit, isn't it? You may not be any more like Satan than when you're lying to people. And you may not be any more like God than when you're telling the truth. Amen? Amen. Let me give you the last one. Let me give you the last one so you can finish this. What was number one? Come on, everybody. Number one, the, the task with sin. Number two, the, the truth about sin. There's a progression. It goes from bad to worse. It don't just happen. Look at your name. and say, it don't just happen. No, nip it in the, nip it in the butt. Now, what is our motivation to deal with this, to mortify, to kill, go on a search and destroy mission? Man, let's find any area of sin, any area of disobedience in our life, any area of rebellion and kill it. Get it out of our lives. Why should we do this? What's the motivation? Because of the trouble from sin. Number three. The trouble from sin. What's the trouble? Well, sin brings a response. Look what it says. Verse six, he named all them, he named all them acts of sin in verse five. And then this is what he says about it. For which things sake, the wrath of God, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying sin brings a response. Two things. First, the judgment of the sinner. God will respond to sin by judging it. It says Colossians 3, 6. For which things say the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Ephesians 5, 6, let no man deceive you with vain words for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying these acts of sin will bring a response from God and that is his wrath. What does his wrath look like? Look at Calvary. If you want to see his wrath, look at the cross. Look at, look at the beaten, battered, destroyed body of Jesus on the cross who was beaten so bad you could not even tell he was a man. That's the wrath of God. If you want to know what the wrath of God is, read the book of Revelation. Revelation. All of the judgments, there's three different sets of judgments. The the sealed judgments, the the bold judgments, well, actually the sealed judgments, the trumpet judgments, and and the bold judgments, all of them seven. All of them are coming down upon this earth. All of Revelation is the wrath of God upon the unrighteousness and rebellion and sin of man. Why do we need to mortify these things in our bodies? Because it brings a response from God. Oh, but preacher, some of you Bible scholars in here, you're going to try to call me on this. And it's okay. Oh, but preacher, we're not children of disobedience, though. We're not. Listen, we've been saved from the wrath to come. You are correct. You are correct. But why would you want to behave in such a way in the same way to what it's going to bring and come bring that upon the heads of the disobedient? And not only that, you may not get you may not get the judgment of God, which will be upon the sinner, but you will get the chastening of God, which comes on the saint. That's in Hebrews. Let me help you. Hebrews twelve five. Have ye forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children? My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. The word chastening, it's an old-fashioned term for whooping. How many of y'all grew up before time out? Time out. Seriously. We had time out too. My dad whooped me and called time out and mom started whooping me. That's the only time out we had. A whooping, spanking, beating, whatever you want to call it. The chastening of the Lord. Look what it says. Don't faint when you're rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he. Now watch what the next word is. And scourgeth. Do you know that's the same word that was used with Jesus? And what the Roman soldiers did to him with the cat of nine tails before they nailed him to the cross? Do you think we need to see that God's serious about this? He scourgeth every son, how many of them? Every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, where all are partakers, then are you illegitimate? (laughs) Yeah, I learned. I learned. You are illegitimate. Say amen. Y'all know what I mean. I'm protecting that little baby girl. Amen. Preacher ain't going to cuss tonight. You know what that means? If you can go out there and do these things and God not beat your britches off, then you're a false professor. You may say you're saved, but you ain't. You are illegitimate. Does this make sense? Let me give you the next one quickly because we're in the red. Ooh, we're way in the red. Here we go. What was what was A? It brings a response. The trouble with sin, it brings a two responses. It brings judgment on the sinner and chastening on the saint, right? Then, then, then B, write this down. It brings a reproach. That means shame. It brings a reproach. Look at me, everybody. Don't do that. Don't do that. I can hear you. I can hear you. It says in Colossians three three seven. Look what he says. First, he says this: the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. Verse seven, he said. Even even with that, he said, in the which ye also walked sometime when you lived in them. In other words, this is what you used to be. You're not that anymore. You're not that anymore. Philippians two fifteen says that ye may be. Blameless. The word blameless here means above reproach. Above reproach. That ye may be blameless, harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Everybody, look at me real quick. I, I got to hurry, and I need you to hear this. <clears throat> if you grew up in church, in old time church, there would be preaching and teaching. And tell you, listen, don't go out in the world and show yourself. Because if you do, it will bring a reproach upon Christ. Not only will it bring a reproach on Christ, but it will bring a reproach on the church. In other words, it will give the church a bad name, a black eye. I tell you what, I don't know what they're teaching them people over at Temple, but look at so-and-so. We call that our testimony. This is important. If you don't think how you act and how you live out there doesn't reflect back on this place and especially back on Christ, let me read this and we'll be done. You don't have it, just Listen. When King David, we're talking about bringing a reproach. We don't want, we want to kill sin in our life. We want to mortify it because we don't want to bring a reproach on the church. We don't want to bring a reproach on Christ. When King David committed adultery with Bathsheba and she got pregnant, the reason the Lord gave for the child dying at seven days old was because the sin had given reason for the enemies of Israel to blaspheme. God was concerned about the way this looked. Now, surely other Jews had committed fornication. But you see, David represented the nation and God. He had brought slanderous reproach on Israel and Israel's God. Now, here's the thing, guys. Many in the world live in sin. But we Christians in the church are representing God to the world. Let's not shame him. In First Timothy 5.14, we read, Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage a house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. There's that word. In other words, behave in a way so as not to give opponents of the faith occasion to speak slanderous against it. Now, true, the world's going to, they're going to be ignorant and they're going to say things. The world's going to think of us as the church, and and, and it is what it is. But here's the thing. We don't need to give them no help. We need to live in a way and a life and behave in such a way that they have nothing they can hold against church or the Christ. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. One more. We have a word again. One of the qualifications of the elders... Is the following. The Bible says he's got to have a good testimony among those who are on the outside, talking about those outside of the church, lest he fall, watch this, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. First Timothy 3 7. There's that word again. But watch this. Did you know it is not just for the elders? Do you realize that most all of the qualification of elders are required of all Christians? Elders are not super Christians. They're just mature Christians. Developing the godly character that God is expecting out of all of us means that we all are to have a good reputation in this world. This is the saddest part about the whole deal. Sadly, many have rejected Christianity based on the Christianity they've witnessed in others. Let's make sure we give people the right idea about Jesus because many people are evaluating the merits of Christianity based on what they see in us. Make it good. There are people that I have witnessed to. For hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and it kept coming back. But I saw so-and-so do so-and-so. So-and-so goes every Sunday. So-and-so was baptized. So-and-so does this and they talk about God all the time. But I see them do such and such and such and such. Listen, don't make, don't make the soul winner's job any harder than it already is. Let's be what we're supposed to be. So mortify the deeds of the flesh. Now we didn't go into great detail about how to do that. We're going to do that next week. So you don't want to miss next week.